glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. These, uh, these fellows was making fun of me last night, and even Chris King texted me to make fun of me. You know you did. <laughs> the scripture that I use, I use the word pillar, and they said, don't you call that a thing you sleep on? <laughs> I'll tell you what Norris Ward said. He said, we're all going to have a southern accent in heaven. And I believe him. Amen. Isn't it good to be saved? Isn't it good to know that we're saved? And the only way we can know that we're saved is by the Bible and the Holy Spirit. Sealing that in us that we have been born again. And I sure would hate to be roaming around without the truth. Because, brother, some days I don't feel saved. Some days the devil could tell me, you're not saved. You couldn't be saved and think that or, or have that attitude or you couldn't be saved. But according to the Bible, I am. And God assures me that I'm saved. And so I'm glad I have the truth. Amen. And we need more, we need more people like Brother Turk, Brother Paulman, uh, the people that are getting the Word of God into the hands of lost people that need to be saved and uh, making it... Listen, I used to say make much of Jesus. If you make much of Jesus, you'll make much of His Word because it's important. Amen? And uh, if you want to do something that will sustain uh, you through troublesome times, through good times, through any time, get a hold of the Word of God and get it in you. Young man, what you said is the truth. The Word of God... We'll get you through it. Amen? Amen. And uh, it'll let you be patient in times when you don't want to be. It'll let you uh, be calm in times when everybody else is panicking. Uh, And and so the Word of God is is vital to us. Amen? Amen. Turn your Bibles, if you would, 1 Timothy chapter 3. And we will continue on this uh, message that we started. We had one point last night. Um, You know... Uh, we shouldn't be too upset. Paul preached at midnight, and uh, I'll try not to do that. So I'll just preach one point each night. Amen. I've never been challenged to preach as long as I could. C.L. Roach did one time. They, he used to preach at this same place every year, and they said, why don't you come tomorrow night and preach as long as you can? And he said, okay, bring a lunch. And he preached past midnight. Started at 7 and preached past midnight. Amen. I'm not going to do that so you can take a deep breath. Uh, although I would like to. Amen. First Peter chapter, or First Timothy chapter uh, 3 verse number 14. These things write I unto you, uh, uh, sorry, these things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto you shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, 
seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. We pray, God, that you'd use me tonight. I'm nothing but your servant. And I pray, God, that you'd use me tonight uh, to help someone else. I thank you for helping me. And I pray, God, that through this series of messages, someone determines to give their whole life to the Lord. I pray, God, as we give our whole life to the Lord, I pray that we understand that means all of it, everything that we have is yours. In fact, we don't have anything anymore. We've we've yielded it and surrendered it to you. I pray tonight that if there be one that comes this week that's not saved, that through Brother Turk's messages or through the message that you've given me through the Word of God, that someone will see that need and be saved. I pray that you call someone to preach this week. I pray that you call someone into the mission field this week. I pray, God, that you'd open doors for these two other men that are here uh, to get the Word of God into more places. And I pray for the Turk family that you'd help them to finish uh, the the Indonesian Bible this year, and that they would uh, get get that that would be on a, a course to finish the finish that, so it be in the hands of those that need it. And I pray God that you'd help us tonight, plant churches in our area, and have a heart for missions. Thank you for everything you do in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, this this week I know that what I'm preaching doesn't seem like missions, but it really is. Because it has to do with our hearts. If our hearts is not into missions, is not into the Bible and what we preached last night, the holiness of God, then we will not be missionaries. But if our hearts are tuned up and our hearts are right, we will be missionaries. Because that's what God wants. And we'll want to be what God wants. Amen? And uh, have you ever noticed, uh, and, 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 and I'm not just saying this because they're feeding me every night and giving me a bed to sleep in and opportunity to preach, but have you ever noticed uh, the Neal family, how that uh, uh, Brother Nevin's dad is a really uh, a great man, he's a great preacher, he's a good friend of mine, has been for years. Have you ever noticed there's a pattern? Now, Brother Nevin hasn't always been there, but he was raised in it, and he watched his dad, and he has a great respect for his dad and a love for his dad. And then he finds himself wanting what his dad wanted. And I see that in Nevin's children. They want what their dad focused on all their life. Now, they may come in and out here and there and find their own way, but when you love somebody, you'll want what they want. You'll, you'll pattern yourself after what they want. If we love the Lord Jesus Christ, we will want what He wants. Amen. Which means to give up any idea of a life that we have developed for ourselves. And so we get that. At last night, we looked at a fresh glimpse of the Lord and getting that in our heart. And, and this young man said that when he got up and and, and you said that when you got up that, that there's a freshness there when you get a glimpse of the Lord and what He wants for you that just gives you a personal revival in your heart to do the right thing. 
Now, that doesn't mean, we, and you said it, thank you for your honesty. We don't, we, it doesn't mean we don't struggle with that. The flesh is still there. But the Bible gives us a way to put away the flesh. It says we can crucify the flesh. It says we can mortify the flesh. And that's an ongoing process. It's not something that just happens today and it's gone forever. We have to, I have to kill Steve every day. And so we, we have to do that, and, and we want to do that, and it's our desire to do that. Then secondly, point number two I want to look at tonight is we need to learn the value of a soul. What is the value of a soul? What is a soul worth? The questions in the Bible, what would you give in exchange for your soul? Let me ask you another question. What would you give in exchange for someone else's soul? How, how much of you would you give for someone else's soul? There have been men in, in, that we have read about in this life. Uh, men like Livingston and Praying Hyde and men like that that went on the mission field and died. Young men. Praying Hyde prayed so much for lost sinners, his heart enlarged and moved onto the other side of his chest and he died, a young man, because he prayed so hard for others. When they found Livingston, there was a rut in the floor where he had been on his knees every day of his life on his knees praying for lost sinners. Livingston sent a letter one time, I need help, I need some men to come and help me. And men sent back letters and said, how easy is it to get to you? Are there good roads to get to you? He said, never mind. I want some men that would take machetes and cut their way to me. What would we give in exchange for someone else's soul? How burdened are we? How broken are we for lost people? I'm talking about all of us. Brother Scott, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about everybody here. How broken are we? How broken is Lighthouse Baptist Church in Fayette? How broken is Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church for lost souls? Isn't it amazing a a person? I mean, just a, a person. How easily we can dismiss it as the flesh. You ever you remember the story in the Bible where Jesus spit on the guy's eyes and he said, uh, "What do you see?" And he said, "I see men as trees." That, that's what we do. We walk by people every day and we just see them. We don't see the soul. We don't see men. We don't see souls. We don't see lost people. We don't see them going to hell. We don't. We don't. We all of us. So what is a soul worth to us? What is, what is the value in winning souls? Listen, God is powerful enough that He can save souls. Amen. He, he, all the power is there. Amen. The gospel is there. He paid the price. He gave Himself for everyone. The person that died on the cross was God in the flesh. He loved this world enough. He loved me enough. He loved you enough. He loved the 
this lost world enough that he died for all of us. But you know, the fact of the matter is, I'm just being honest. Now, it might be completely different in this church, and I hope it is. Uh, but the fact of the matter, the average church that you go to, if we were to have an immediate pop quiz right now and ask you, what is the gospel? Most of them couldn't tell you. I've had people say, the word of God. Yeah, it's, it's the word of God. But what word of God? Where does it tell us that? How about 1 Corinthians 15? <laughs> how about that? How about, how about uh, the truth in 1 Corinthians 15? How that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And was seen of many. And it goes on and on and on. The proof that Christ died for us. He gave Himself a ransom for the whole world. And the Bible, Paul said in Romans chapter 1, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. He tells us that. He tells us that in 1 Corinthians. And listen, we think we have to be this person that's physically taking somebody. We are responsible for caring about the soul enough to tell them the gospel. And yet we we don't value souls enough that it's our life. Isn't that a shame? I, I want to give you an Old Testament. I, I know I know what I'm going to give you an Old Testament story that's a picture. Okay, it's just a picture uh, of of someone who valued their loved one's lives. Um, I heard this preached, I'm just telling you, but it's it's a beautiful picture, and I want to show it to you. So if you would, turn your Bibles over to 2 Samuel chapter 21. And your pastor may have preached on this woman, he may have, but that's okay, it don't hurt us to hear something more than once. I'm sure my outline's not his. And uh, we'll look at it for just a minute, and then I want to finish up with a couple of things in the New Testament and show you that. 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1 through 14. You there say amen. Now I'm southern. Amen has three syllables. Amen. (laughs) Bible says, Then there was a famine in the days of David, three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord. There's that capital L-O-R-D. And the Lord answered. It is for Saul and for his bloody house because he slew the Gibeonites. And the king called the Gibeonites and said unto them, Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. And the children of Israel had sworn unto them, and Saul sought to slay them in his zeal uh, to the children of Israel and Judah. Wherefore, David said unto the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? Now, you got the picture up to now. Saul, uh, in his uh, chest pumping out, uh, broken a covenant with the Gibeonites and, and slew them. Okay? And so he broke that covenant. Now David comes along and says, what can we do to make this right? Okay, so look look what David said. 
Wherefore David said unto the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And wherewith shall I make the atonement that ye may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said unto him, We will love no silver nor gold of Saul nor of his house, neither for us shall thou kill any man in Israel. He, and he said, What, uh, what ye shall do, say, that will I do for you. And they answered the king, the man uh, that consumed us and that devised against us that we should be destroyed from remaining, uh, from remaining in any of uh, the coast of Israel. Let seven men of his sons be delivered unto us and we will hang them up unto the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord did choose. And the king said, I will give them, but the king spared Mephibosheth. Now, I want you to pay attention because there's two Mephibosheths. One of them was spared. The son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. But the king took the two sons of of Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, whom uh, she bare unto Saul, Armoni and Mephibosheth, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the the Maholathite, I'm sorry. And he delivered them unto the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the hill before the Lord, They fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days uh, in the beginning of the the barley harvest. And Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it for her upon the rock from the beginning of the harvest until water dropped upon them out of heaven and suffered neither the birds of the air to rest on them by day nor the beasts of the field by night. And it was told David and Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, the concubine of Saul, had done. And David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, which had stolen them from the, uh, from the street of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hanged them when the Philistines had slain Saul in Gabeah. And he brought up from thence the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan his son. And they gathered the bones of them that were hanged, and the bones of Saul and Jonathan his son buried they in the country of Benjamin in Zelah, in the sepulcher of Kish his father. And they performed all the king commanded, and after that, God was entreated for the land. Now, I know that's a lot of reading. But let me let me give you this. I, I just think this is an amazing story. Number one, there was a famine. There was a famine because of sin. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. We're in a famine. People are not hearing the word of God. Uh, Amos talked about that famine. And we're in that famine today. People have not heard the gospel. 
We have a, a young lady that came to our church a year ago that was 18 years old and she had never been inside a church. She had never held a Bible in her hand and she had never heard the name Jesus. We have a Chinese restaurant in our town and we went there to eat lunch one day and we asked the waitress, how do you say I love Jesus? So she told us in Mandarin and she said, who is she? Had never heard the name of Jesus. We got her some Mandarin tracks and took her some Mandarin tracks. She barely can speak English. People have not heard the gospel. And there's a famine. This famine was caused by sin. Now in this story, the sin was what Saul had committed against these people. And that that famine was there. It reached far and wide. Listen to me. The whole world that's not been saved is lost. There's only two classes of people, saved and lost. You're not partly saved. You're not halfway saved. You're either saved or lost. You, You don't get to be a good person and go to heaven. They're good lost people. But they're lost. They haven't heard the gospel. Clearly heard it. And all our job is is to take that to them. That's why you knock on doors. That's why you're going tomorrow to a different town to pass out uh, uh, John and Romans in that town so they can have the Word of God. That's what we're responsible for. And so that reach, they reached out. The reason is, is because of sin. Man is born into sin. Man begins to practice sin. And men are sinners. They begin to love sin and and desire sin. But the sin that will take them to hell is they have not believed on the only begotten Son of God. And the Romans tells us the reason is they haven't heard it. And the reason they haven't heard it is we've not been sent. And so the results are people will die. People will die and go to hell because of that. These sons were hanged because of a sin of another. Adam sinned, the whole race went into sin. And were born sinners. There was a rejection there. Verse number 4 talks about how the, 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 uh, the Gibeonites said, we don't want anything you ha- you've got. We don't want anything you've got. We just want this to be paid for. But we don't want what you've got. Isn't that what the world's saying today? We don't want the Word of God. We don't, we don't want that. You, you, y'all experienced, I believe, uh, Jeff and Jim experienced the other day, somebody ripping up a John and Romans and waving it in their face. They don't want the Word of God. There's a rejection. That rejection will be there. That shouldn't stop us. The the response, the Gibeonites said, hey, yeah, we're interested in something. (laughs) Really, the world really wants to know the truth. They won't hear it unless we take it to them. There was a response. And they said, you know, um, and, and listen, the response was personal. David went to him and said, personally, what can I do? To get, to get this right, what can I do? You know what we can do? We can tell them the truth. Lies don't help anybody. False Bibles don't help anybody. Taking things out of the Word of God doesn't help anybody. 
It's the Bible. And you said a few minutes ago, this Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration. You know what that word means? It means spirit in. Expire means spirit out. But inspire means spirit in. It's living. It's alive. Christ is alive. And then when we get saved, we're alive. And this Bible's important. And then and then the, the things needed to be made right. Now listen, God knew before, the Bible tells us very plainly, He knew before the foundation of the world Adam would sin. He knew before the foundation of the world this world would need a Savior. And Christ would be that Savior. It did not got off the throne when Adam sinned. He knew already, already had a plan. He had a plan for you. And it, listen to me, it was wonderful for me to find out after I got saved, God already had a plan for me. God has a plan for these babies to get saved. God has a plan for the, your lost neighbor. God has a plan for them, and it's Christ Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And, and so they shared that plan with David. David shared that plan with them and said, this is the plan. Someone will die. I know this is a stretch, but I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm getting to a place. The fruition, someone was spared. Mephibosheth, you're talking about a picture of grace. I, I challenge you, if you've never heard Harold Seitler preach on Mephibosheth, you need to hear it. Tremendous. He was broken in a fall. He was spared because of another. Jonathan, his dad. He was brought in and put under the tablecloth of grace. And you couldn't see those legs anymore. What a wonderful picture of grace. And you know, God will save. He'll save to the uttermost. And He'll save that drunkard. He'll save that drug addict. He'll save... Listen to me. I, I don't want to brag on sin or anything like that. But I was, I was about as lost as a man can be. I was playing in a rock and roll band. I was... I was in in bad places every weekend. I have my family in bad places. I was mean to my family and bad to my family. But God got on my trail and sent somebody after me to tell me the truth. To tell me that I could be saved. And and before long, it took about three years. People coming after me week after week after week and day after day. It took about three years, but somebody kept coming. And valued my soul. The faithfulness. There was an there was a intervention. That's what I want to get to. There was a lady named Rizpah, concubine of Saul, had two sons from him, and they died. Now, evidently, when they hung them, they just put their bodies down on a rock, walked away. She went down to that rock. She spread out sackcloth. And she stayed there for five months. From the time of barley harvest till the time of water was five months. She stayed on that rock. And she intervened. And I know they're already dead. Do you know what the Bible says about lost people? They're dead in trespasses and sins. The problem is we don't look at that. We don't see that they're dead. 
They don't have life. They don't have anything past this life. They're dead men walking. She went down to that place and she began to pray and sit on that rock that the right thing be done. There was an intervention. You know what people need for us to do in this town? Intercede for them. Because they cannot pray. used to be such a thing as a mourner's bench. And I'm not about pieces of furniture having anything special in them. But people used to, before we had a revival in the church, the people of God gathered around that mourner's bench and began to pray for specific people that they were trying to get to come and hear the preacher preach. Specific people that they had been after and had been at on their heart. They gathered around that mourner's bench and mourned for them. That's what this woman's doing. She's mourning. She had an intervention. She said, I can step in here and I can do my part. And listen to this. She invested some things. What did she invest? Number one, her time. Five months of her time was invested in this process. We can't see somebody saved right away. We give up on them. She didn't give up. She just kept, she just was there every day. She invested her time. She invested her treasure. It was the beginning of Harley Barvin. Barley harvest. That was where the money was made. That, the money for the whole year was made right then. She said, these five months, I'm going to invest. And then listen to this. She invested her heart. You know what she did the whole time? She shooed away the buzzards and the animals that were coming to eat the carcasses of her loved ones. I'm going to take this home just real quick. If we love people and we want to see them get saved, we'll try to shoo the buzzards away because the buzzards will come. You You get somebody on your heart, young man, and you start witnessing to him, don't you doubt that the buzzards will be there before you get through. What are they? Well, they're the false religions. They're the they're the television shows. They're the radio broadcasts. They're the raunchy movies and the things that they get in their life. The buzzards will come. And it's our job to invest ourselves enough to keep those away. We can, and especially our families, especially our children. Children, don't you think mom and dad's mad because they limit your life? You ought to thank God they limit your life. I've got scars in my life that I will never do away with. That, listen to me, that, that prodigal son that went away, he came back, but he came back with scars. You get out into the world, you're going to get some scars that you can't do away with. You're going to see things you can't do away with. You're going to hear things and do things that you wish you could take back, but you can't. Wouldn't it be good if we just told people the truth and be there to shoo those buzzards away and those animals away to keep them away from the one we're invested in? Amen? You understand what I say invested in someone. That means you get someone on your heart that that you love and you want to see them get saved and you begin to invest in them. You begin, first of all, you begin praying for that person. God, please give me the words to say when I'm around them that I might show them how to be saved. God, let me be around them more. 
Let them, let them know that, that I care about them and I want to see them get saved and I want to give them the truth. And then, God, please convict their hearts and show them that, that they're lost and they're sinners and that they need to be saved. Convict their hearts and bring them to tears and, and let them see the truth. That's what happened to me, preacher. We were at a yard sale and this lady gave me a, a stack of tick tracks. And she said, take these home for your daughter. <laughs> my daughter couldn't even read yet. I set them next to my chair. I, I never read a book my whole life. I mean, I got through school without doing much reading. I had a smart girlfriend. And, and, and I didn't read much. I cheated my way through school, but I began to read these things. And they began to tell me through the Word of God that I was a sinner and I was lost. And then if I died that way, I was going to hell. And you know what happened? Conviction began to set in. And then these men, that kept, these little bitty short preachers, little short guys, they, they kept coming up to me and telling me this big old 350-pound uh, looked like a biker. I mean, I was I was rough. And they kept coming around. H.B. Uh, Carnett runs a print shop at Mount Pisgah Baptist Church was one of them. And he told me, he said, Preacher, when I had to come to your house, I drove around the block three times praying because I, I was scared of you. But, but then he told me, thank God I did. And they invested in me. Thank God they invested in me. What is the value? What would you exchange for someone else's? She invested her heart. But don't you notice something in this story? Verse 11, the Bible says, Then King David got involved in it. He not only went to the Gibeonites and said, What can I do? He goes back to Rizpah and says, What can I do for you? How can I help you in this thing? I'm going to tell you something. This church gets on fire for seeing people save and investing in people and praying for people, it'll be catchy. You know what? You know what Rizpah's name means? A live coal. It's like setting a live coal in among some dry wood, and it'll catch. You ever been in a in a, in, a, in a time when I first got saved? Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. Somebody was being saved every week because the church was was just on fire for that. I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to talk to people, but I was bringing people to church. Come to church. I, I remember there was a a fellow that drove a forklift. He he was so big his helmet didn't fit right. It just sat right on top of his head. We called him Biggin. He was real muscly and he, he hung off the forklift. I mean, he couldn't even put his feet up on the, he was huge. And so I kept going to, I kept saying, Biggin, won't you come to church with me? And he'd say, ah, oh, preacher, I don't, I don't want to come to church. I'd go back here. One, one day I walked up to him. He slammed on the brakes of that forklift, turned it off, and he said, just to make you shut up, I'm coming tomorrow or Sunday. So I went through the whole plant. Biggin's going to church with me. Biggin's coming to church. He's going to get saved. You know, these uh, high and mighty Christians would say, ah, oh, preacher, everybody that comes ain't going to get saved. And I doubt he's even going to come. 
Do you know what he did on Saturday? He said, me, my wife, and my kids are going to meet you somewhere Saturday morning so we can get to the church. Where do we need to meet you? Whew. I began to pray. We'd been giving him the gospel. We'd been talking to him. That morning, we sat right there where these girls were sitting. And for some dumb reason, I sat on the end and put him inside. And we all stood during the invitation. And the preacher made this statement, which he didn't always make. But he said, if you feel like somebody next to you is under conviction, just touch their hand and tell them that you, you'll go up there with them. You'll go with them as they pray. You can't save them. You can't pray them saved, but you go up there with I reached over to touch Biggin's hand, and he pushed me out into the aisle and almost stepped on me and got saved that morning. Now, it didn't always happen that way, but that morning it happened that way. And you talking about firing me up. I began praying every day, God, give me somebody to tell the gospel to. Did you know five years later I called Biggin? I can't even remember his real name. He went from big into something else. But anyway, I called him. He said, Preacher, my wife got saved. My kids got saved. We're driving a church bus. Bringing us live coal. Gets in the church, and then everybody gets excited about people being saved. Norse Ward came to our church one Sunday night. Just Traveling through. Anybody love Norse Ward? I loved him. And he he busted our hides. He said, why don't you care about souls enough to tell them? And that man was a witness. He lived it. Carried tracks with him. He witnessed everybody he saw. And God really convicted me about a young man that had come to our church occasionally. And I had not even been to his house yet. And I got on the altar. And I begged God to forgive me. And I prayed. And I said, if you'll let me go to James's house, I'll be at his house as soon as you tell me to. Monday night, I was sitting in his living room. His little boy came up and laid his Bible in my lap. said, preacher, can you show me how to be saved? Ten years old. I said, I sure can. There was a big crowd there. Showed him how to be saved. Everybody got quiet and was listening. James was listening. He said, Preacher, there's too many people here right now. He said, I'll, but I appreciate you showing me that. Wednesday night at a youth meeting, that little boy came forward with a bigger crowd and got saved, and James saw it. The following Wednesday night, James came. And got saved. Why? Somebody valued his soul. Somebody cared about his soul. I've already told you I failed in that. God lets me see often. If we'll just care about them. It's a high possibility they're going to get saved. Can I give you something? Only about 3% of the people that are saved and in church was by corporate visitation. Only about 3%. Only about, That doesn't mean we don't need to go. Only about 3% is from the preacher going out and telling people. The majority of people that are saved is because of this congregation 
goes out into the neighborhood and tells people about Jesus. See what I'm saying? There was an investment. There was fruit there. Let me let me give you this. At the end of it, David came through with his promise. They were buried properly. Mephibosheth was saved out of it and, 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 and rescued. It's a picture of grace. It's a picture of somebody investing their life for the dead. But let me give you this. Romans chapter 9, verse 1. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. This is Paul. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Paul said, I would trade places with them if I could. He couldn't. He said, I would. I think that's a brokenness, continual heaviness and sorrow, a brokenness for lost people. Paul mentions it again in, in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God to Israel is that they might be saved. Would you turn with me to Isaiah 57, verse 15? I'm almost through. Please listen to the words of this. Isn't the King James Bible beautiful? For thus saith the high lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, (laughs) whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Although God is the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity and walks about freely in heaven, when we get our hearts right, He said, I'm there. That's where He wants to be is in our hearts. Constantly. Now listen to this. This is, this is David's repentance in Psalm 51. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and upholdeth me with, the, with thy free spirit. So there is a right spirit and then there is the free spirit that God gives you, which is liberty. Then he goes on to say, then, after that, then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. O God, thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall... Sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God 
or a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. That word despise in the King James Bible means disregard. When it talks about the youth not despising their father, it means don't disregard what he tells you. God said, when you get a broken heart and a contrite spirit, he won't disregard that. It'll be taken note of. Let me give you one more scripture, and this is powerful. Hosea 10.12 Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Listen to this wording. Break up your fallow ground. That's not new ground. That's ground that's been neglected. That's ground that used to be fruitful. That's not anymore. And he said that needs to be broken up. A broken spirit, contrite heart, is what God is looking for. That's the person he will use. It's not the the person in here that knows the most scripture. It's not the person in here that... uh, that has the best mind. It's the person that has the broken heart and the contrite spirit. So let me ask this one question. Who's on your heart? Who is on your heart? Can you think of anybody that needs to be saved? Have you been after them? Have you been to their house? Have you called them on the phone? Have you took them out to breakfast? Have you sat them down and said, I need to share the gospel with you? God has told me to and I need to do it. I love you enough that I want you to hear it. I got a man that goes to my church. His name is Mike Chose. He's six foot five. He's a man's man. But he thinks he's saved and he's lost. Thinks he's saved by doing. He's lost. I love him. He's in Alaska right now. He owns an island in Alaska. But when he's here, I take him out to breakfast and sit down and I just talk to him about the Lord. Try to try to give him the gospel. His his son is an independent Baptist preacher in Helena, Montana. Jeff Chose. And he prays for him and he talks to him. Who's on our hearts? And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. The preacher said a few minutes ago, Just I don't have anything to say, but just straight to you. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is a flaw. It's a sin. So if our hearts aren't broken in our, in our, in our, in our, in our spirit contrite, crushed to powder, then we're, in, we're living in sin because we don't value a soul. What would you give in exchange for someone else's soul? Paul said, I'd go to hell for it. What would we say? We can't go to hell, we're saved. But what would we give? The invitation time is coming. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be a revival? Listen, I, 
I've been in this long enough to know. God's doing something tonight. Started out with the Word of God being pure and precious and then goes to our hearts and what we need to be doing. God's doing something tonight. And there's no telling what God could do in this little church if we let our hearts be broke for the lost. I'm going to tell you something, preacher. If our hearts get right, we get people on our hearts here, you won't have money problems for missions. It'll be there. Because we see it here, we see it abroad. We see the Indonesian people. We see Africa. We see Utah. We see the Word of God getting into the hands of lost sinners all over the place. And places that we can't go, we'll send money to. Because our hearts are broken. And our hearts are being made right. Would you, would you make a trip up to this altar tonight and ask God to put someone on your heart? And, and I'm not talking about someone up in the future. I'm talking about somebody you might bring tomorrow night. Someone you might bring Sunday to the house of God that they might hear, they will hear the word of God while they're here. They will hear the gospel while they're here. And that they might get saved. Their whole life might change. God help us to have that broken heart. Mm-hmm.